starting in verse 1 of chapter 21, the Bible says this, As they approached Jerusalem... And as they came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. Now he said to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you're going to find a donkey tied up there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. And I love this. If anyone says anything. No, no, no. If, if, if anyone says anything to you. Say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Go to the village, find the provision, untie the donkey, and bring it to me. Oh, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, it starts with a miracle of provision in the village ahead. Oh, Jesus could have walked from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. I've done it before. Jesus could have just somehow transported through the air into the holy city. That type of thing has happened before. But see, this entry into Jerusalem, it would be different. If Jesus wasn't going in under the radar. He wasn't forbidding the people from announcing he was the Messiah. This wasn't a secret mission to spy out the land. This was the announcement of the ages. 4,000 years in the making. The one that we have been waiting for has finally arrived. And Israel once again would have her king. And why didn't Jesus just snap his fingers? Have a donkey appear out of the bushes. I believe that he is teaching his disciples a principle on provision. Oh, there won't be one thing that the Father ever asks you to do that he won't provide all the resources to do it. But oftentimes it requires the tenacity to look places other people won't to discover things that other people can't. Oh, it is still true today that my God will supply everything you're in need of according to his riches and glory because he ought to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. You know, next Sunday on Easter Sunday for the kids, we're doing a little Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and so this week, we're, we're hiding eggs in the kids' wing of the stadium. Uh, no, I, I'm not throwing these eggs up into rafters. I'm not burying them six feet underground with a jackhammer. Why? Because we aren't hiding Easter eggs from the kids. We are hiding Easter eggs for the kids. Now watch, in the same way, God has hidden provision for your life. But you got to go, you got to find, you got to untie, and you got to bring it to him. Oh, this is why Solomon says in Proverbs 25, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the wisdom of kings to search it out. Oh, I think that there are resources locked up all over this region just waiting for God's people to have enough faith to loose them and let them go. How was a little old church in Snohomish written the biggest venue in the county for a regional Easter service in downtown Everett? Because a couple folks had faith to believe God that there was tied up people, tied up properties, tied up resources just waiting to help us ride into the city and announce Jesus is King. And I love what Jesus says. If anyone says anything, tell them God needs it. 
Tell them God ordered it. Tell them God designed it. I know I'm not here trying to explain it. I'm not here trying to defend it. I'm not here trying to promote it. If anyone says anything, tell them this is his. It has always been his. It'll always be his. And friend, that's the only permission we'll ever need. Now, I think the reason why Jesus gives this instruction is because he anticipates some of the feedback the disciples might hear. Why are you grabbing a donkey? You know, those are the most stubborn creatures on earth. If he was really a king, why does he need to borrow an animal anyways? Who do you think you are just walking into Jerusalem without our permission? Hear me, Fred. You ought to stop allowing the anyones who say anything to be the reason you don't fulfill the calling of God that is on your life. You ought to decide right here and right now that what God has asked me to do is more important than what people say about me on the way to my finish line. Oh, you can live your life trying to correct the record of every wrong opinion someone might have, or you can make the decision to follow Jesus and let him sort out the mess along the way. I like what Winston Churchill once said, you won't ever reach your destination if you stop to throw stones at every dog that barks. I like what Dr. Kempton once said, a critic is someone who enters the battlefield after the war is over and shoots the wounded. And in fact, in the critic's heart is just an optimist who's been disappointed anyways. Now watch what verse 4 says. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. See, this event on, on this mountain, on this day, it was done to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah 500 years before the birth of Christ. For in Zechariah 9, the prophet says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king, he is coming to you. He is righteous and he has salvation. He is humble and he is riding on a donkey. Oh, there are a few things I want you to know this morning. Number one, if God said it, God's going to do it. Number two, God doesn't just know what's going to happen. He knows how it's going to happen. Number three, the fact that God is faithful to his word, even 500 years later, is the only reason we need today to rejoice and to shout. And number four, Jesus isn't just the hero who saves the day. He is the king who saves the world. But what makes this story so compelling is that in a world filled with fake influencers vying for the attention of a dying culture, Christ is revealed as the humble servant riding on a donkey, not needing the adulation of the crowds because he has already received the affirmation of the Father. Oh friend, the church still today only has one celebrity and his name is Jesus. And his claim to fame is that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. Oh, still today, the promises of God are yes and amen. Still today, God is faithful to a thousand generations. Still today, he is the God of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he is not slack concerning his word. See, now watch what the scriptures say in Amos 3. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan first 
to his servants, the prophets. <laughs> Which means this, somewhere at some time, God made a promise to a people that he would send revival to the Pacific Northwest. And what is taking place now is to fulfill what was spoken by prophecy in the last generation. This week I got a phone call from an individual who I, I have never spoken on the phone with before. My phone rang out of the blue on a Monday afternoon in the office, and I said, hello, and the voice said, is this Pastor Russell? And I said, well, it depends. If you upset, it is not. If you happy, it is. He said, this is Lou Engel. I heard you're doing a stadium event in Everett. Now, what you might not know about Lou is that, in many ways, he is kind of the modern pioneer of stadium gatherings. He partners with orgs like The Send and The Call and rallies tens of thousands, mostly young people, around the nation for these events by which people call upon the name of the Lord and believe for awakening in their generation. And he said, Pastor Russell, I, I, I want to honor you for having the faith to do this event. But he said, more importantly, I had a dream and it shook me to the core and I think it's about your event and can I tell it to you? I said, you sure can. And he said, in this dream, I was standing in a stadium in the Pacific Northwest. And as I was standing there, the Lord spoke to me and said, this event is taking place after the abortion mandate has fallen in the nation. He said, at this event, I was sitting in a chair watching the service unfold and all of a sudden, a man named Pastor Benny Hinn walked on the stage. As he walked on the stage and as he began to minister, people were healed and saved and baptized and set free. And in the midst of it, a voice came from heaven and spoke to me. And that voice said this. When a stadium event happens in the Northwest, and when the people of God partner with Pastor Benny for this event... I will by my own hand take the storm cloud of revival and pull it over Seattle until awakening breaks out all across the region. He said, does that mean anything to you? I said, it sure does. And I began to think, no, we are not self-made. No, we are not here on accident. No, this is not some sort of cosmic incident. This is not some sort of evolutionary theory. It is the Big Bang. God said it and bang, it happened. No, we are here for such a time as this. This moment was seen from the very foundations of the earth. It has been what has been labored on in prayer from those who have walked before us. And I believe that next Sunday as we gather in the stadium, it will mark a new era for the church of Jesus Christ in the North. West, and may this region never be the same again. And the Bible says this in verse 6. Now, the disciples, they went and they did as Jesus had instructed them. See, this story hinged on the disciples' obedience to the instruction of Christ. No, it wasn't advice. 
It wasn't an option. It was a command. If you will go to the village ahead of you, you will find exactly what you need to assist for the journey into Jerusalem. Oh, come on, but why can't you bring the donkey to us? Why do we got to go ahead of the crowds? Why does the transportation always have to be located in the village we aren't staying in? Listen, sometimes God's got to get you out of your ordinary and into something new so that you can finally see what has always been right in front of you. Sometimes he'll put you into a new church. Sometimes he'll put you into a new job. Sometimes he'll put you into a new city or a new relationship. He'll say, get out of your tent. Go count the stars and just imagine what God could do through you on the other side of your willingness to obey. See, we all want God to do a new thing in an old way. But as soon as it requires our participation, we end up cursing the thing that God has blessed. Can I just challenge you this morning? You ought to have the courage to trust God that your best days aren't behind you. They're ahead of you. And you're going to need new strategies for the new season that he's about to birth you into. For the Lord says, behold, I will do a new thing. You haven't seen it. You haven't heard it. You haven't perceived it. But by my own hand, I I have built you for such a time as this. Oh, but God, do a new thing. I just don't want my participation required. Here I am, Lord. Send somebody else. Whatever it is, don't disrupt the comfort of where I'm at. And some of you this morning could learn the sacred privilege of trusting God to go into a village that you haven't been before, to get a resource that you haven't received before so that you can be God's person for the hour in which you live. Now watch, the Bible says they brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut palm branches from the trees and spread them out all over the road. You got to see the imagery here in Matthew 21. First, it's, it's the donkey. Man, there ain't anything more ordinary in the world than a stubborn old donkey. But watch how the ordinary becomes a seat for the supernatural because submission and availability is the currency of heaven. Oh, ordinary Snohomish has become a seat for the supernatural, not because we're special but because Christ has ridden in on the back of our availability. In many ways, we are ordinary people living in an ordinary city during an ordinary time. But friend, we have a beautiful writer with a beautiful presence who has enthroned himself on the praises of his people. See, that donkey was just a vehicle that helped usher Jesus into Jerusalem. No, the donkey wasn't the focal point of the story. Christ was. But without the donkey, the journey could not happen. See, still today, the church is Christ's vehicle in the earth. It is not the main character of the story, but it points to the one who is. See, your vocation, it's a vehicle in the earth. Your relationships, they're a vehicle in the earth. Your skill set, your talents, your anointing, your open doors, they are vehicles into the earth. And when Christ is your driver, it'll take you places you could never imagine and use you for kingdom impact like you never dreamed possible. Oh, it's not just the donkey that interests me. 
It's the palm branches. Yeah, palm Sunday, it gets its name from the branches of the palm trees that would have been laid down on the road as an act of honor as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And do you know that in ancient Egyptian religion, the palm branch was carried in funeral processions and it represented eternal life? Do you know that in the Jewish tradition, the palm branch was carried during the Feast of Tabernacles to celebrate provision? But see, in the Roman Empire, the palm branch was a symbol of triumph and victory. See, when a king and his army would conquer a city, the king would ride triumphantly through the streets as the people would lay down their palm branches and their coats and blankets on the ground as a sign of honor, submission, loyalty, and reverence. Oh, no wonder the Romans are so threatened by this Jesus. No wonder the religious establishment is so threatened by this Jesus. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a worker of miracles. He wasn't just a student of the law he was the promised messiah and on this day the crowds would announce the king that we have been waiting for is finally here and as they are enthroning him on their praise not only are they saying Jesus is king they are saying there is none like him there is none beside him and kings and kingdoms are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of our God Oh, think about the importance of what's happening in this moment. You've got Jews and Gentiles both recognizing the significance of what Jesus is doing. In this moment, they are laying down the symbols of their triumph, their victory, their provision, their eternity at the feet of Jesus. And here comes Jesus walking into Jerusalem for the final time. And as he does, he announces, I am the one that you have always desired. And I have come to bring significance to your symbols. In the world that we live in today, it's the exact opposite. The palm branch has become the object of our worship. Because what it speaks to is our ability to provide. What it speaks to is our ability to be gifted. What it speaks to is our ability to be significant. And we have forgotten that the reason why Christ places crowns on our heads is so that in worship we can place them at his feet. And I am telling you what God has gifted you with, what God has given you, the significance of the title you hold, the position in society that you occupy. Oh friend, it is a fragrant worship when it is offered unto the king laid on the ground for him to ride in to the cities in which we live see your job it's a palm branch your finances it's a palm branch your children it's a palm branch your family system it's a palm branch your resume it's a palm branch your calling your anointing your gifting your enneagram it's a palm branch it is not the object of our worship. It is what is laid down at the feet of the beautiful rider on the back of a donkey. And Jesus rides in on a ground that is covered with the symbols of humanity's significance. And in doing so, announces to all who would have ears to hear, 
I am the one that you have always desired. The Bible calls God the desire of the nations. They don't even know that they desire him as much as they do. But it's like the French mathematician Pascal said that most people live a majority of their lives trying to fill the God-shaped void in their hearts with things that look like God but don't yet have his sovereign presence or power. And so what they do is they fill up on all the world has to provide and find themselves more desperate, broken, and hungry than they have ever been before. And this is what is so brilliant and magnificent about the message of Jesus is that people need him and desire him even when they don't have human words to communicate that existential emotion. And what we do as the church is we hold high the brilliance of Jesus and we allow his presence to do a transformative work in the hearts and minds of individuals. And in doing so, his anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. In doing so, his anointing casts off the spirit of heaviness. For sorrow may last for a night, but there is joy that is coming in the morning. And I am just convinced that if we will rally the region to be absorbed and overwhelmed by the presence and the beauty of God, that it will unlock their deepest held desires that they didn't even know was there. I didn't even know I needed this. I didn't even know I wanted this. I didn't even know I was hungry for this. But I've been searching my entire life for the water that will make me never thirsty again. And I think I found it in the church of the living God. Now the crowds, they went ahead of him. And those that followed, they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was moved. And they asked, who is this? And the crowds replied, this is Jesus. The prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus is welcomed into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey with the praise of his people. And watch the result. The whole city was moved. You know that word move in the Greek, it means to tremble, to agitate, to stir up. Or here's my favorite definition. To be shook until you are shaken. In Matthew 27, this word is used again. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. It's used again in Matthew 28. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. It was used again in Hebrews 12. Once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth to reveal the things that cannot be shaken. Can Jesus shake a city in a day? Just ask Jerusalem. Can God save a city in a day? Just ask Nineveh. Can the Holy Spirit pour out his power in a moment? Oh, just ask the upper room. Can this same God shift the spiritual climate of the Northwest on Easter? You better believe it. 
And watch what the people ask. Who is this? Who commands this type of praise? Who is worthy of this type of worship? Who has motivated you to lay down your own triumph and your own victories and your own provision and ultimately your own life? And the crowds respond, this is Jesus. And that is my hope. And in fact, you could sum up the chief desire of my heart and this church in verse 11 of Matthew 21. That when the people see our praise, when the people see our devotion, when when the people see the passion of this church and they ask, what is this? We respond, this is Jesus. <clears throat> now some have asked, why do a miracle crusade on the evening of Easter? I've thought long and hard about how to respond to that question. And ultimately, where I've landed is this. Because it is unjust to preach about the resurrection without proclaiming that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives strength to your mortal body. See, everywhere that you look in Scripture, there is a promise for healing. It's in Exodus 15. It's in Isaiah 53. It's in Matthew 8. It's in 1 Peter 2. It's in Psalms 103. It's in James 5. It was so common in the early church that it became the patristic consensus of the church fathers. It was verified by people like Tertullian, Arnobius, Irenaeus, Origen, Augustine, and others. For the first 500 years of Christendom, they all agreed. Healing is the inheritance of God's people. Healing is a sacrament of the church and Jesus still heals today. And why? Because the Bible is still true. The Spirit still has power. The church is still advancing. And the blood is still the blood. You know, every sick person will eventually get healed. Whether it's in this life or the next. But can I tell you, sometimes as Christians, we have more faith in death than we do in life. Oh, Jesus is going to take care of my sickness when I get to heaven. Oh, Jesus is going to take care of my problems in the sweet by and by. Oh, I read the book of Revelation. I know how it ends. I'm going to get there, streets of gold, a glassy sea, a mansion in the sky. But when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this place, even as it's being done in heaven. Which means... I'm not waiting to die and go to heaven. Yeah. Come on. 
Because for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest to dismantle the works of darkness. There's a reason you're still alive. There's a reason the church is still here. There's a reason you didn't get born again, instantly die and go into eternity. Because our job is to contend in prayer until what happens above is happening below. I'm believing for healing personally on Easter. But my commitment is that regardless of whatever season I find myself in, God is worthy of all of my worship, my praise, and my adoration. Now there will come a day where he wipes every tear and heals all infirmities. But what that tells me is that I have an opportunity to give God something here that I can't give him there, which is worship in the midst of my illness, worship in the midst of my infirmity, worship in the midst of my sickness. I am contending for healing, but I refuse to hold hostage the song of my heart because I haven't received in fullness yet the things that I desire. So I'm gonna welcome him with praise. I'm gonna honor him with worship. I'm gonna invite him with the adulation of my life. I'm gonna give him not low praise, but high praise. And I'm gonna say, however you wanna do it, whenever you wanna do it, let me be your person for this hour. Your kingdom come, your will be done in the Northwest, even as it's being done in heaven. Come on, would you stand with me as we close? Let me pray for you. And the whole city was moved. That word, in fact, has a geological etymology. It's the same word that was used to describe things like earthquakes and tremors. The whole city was moved. No, the whole city didn't witness the triumphal entry, but as a result of the crowds who did, the whole city was moved. I just think that there is something that happens in the surface of our cities when the people of God gather for worship and praise. And they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. The people are singing the song recorded by David in Psalms 118. It was a song that was sung in the fashion of call and response. The congregation would be split down the middle. Half would say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The other half would respond, Hosanna to the son of David. And as the crowds gathered on either side of the street, they were the prophetic anti-type fulfillment of what happened of worship in the tabernacle of old and their praise created a highway for Jesus to ride into the center of the city and can I tell you this on that same Mount of Olives where the triumphal entry began is the same Mount of Olives which Christ ascended into heaven it is the same Mount of Olives that Christ will descend with a shout with the blast of a trumpet as the clouds are rolled back like a scroll the dead in Christ will rise first those who are alive will be caught up 
love with him in the air and our king not on a donkey but on a war horse will ride into Jerusalem vanquish the enemies of God and establish himself for a thousand year rule of reign and peace this is the God that we serve it is not just a story. It is not just a hopeful outcome. It is not just some sort of spiritual philosophy. It is not just a theological narrative. It is the reality of a risen Christ who by faith now takes residence in the human heart. And I'm here to tell you this morning, every day is a good day when you've been raised from the dead. God, I pray today that by your Spirit's initiative, we would lay at your feet the treasures that we have accumulated on this journey of life. The resumes, the compliments, the opportunities, the hopes, dreams, and fears. Oh God, we offer it to you today as living sacrifice unto you. For in you we live and move and have our being. In fact, we are your offspring. And so God, today we give back to you what has always been yours. And in doing so, we say, come Lord Jesus, come. And ride into the Pacific Northwest on the back of the praise of your people. I pray now for the unlocking of supernatural resource, the unlocking of supernatural provision. I say may it be loosed and let go for the people of God in this church. I say God, give us a building in Kirkland. Oh God, give us a legacy property. Oh God, release acreage. Oh God, may your initiatives be accomplished in the earth through the faithful obedience and partnership of your people. And may this region never be the same. God, I pray for a thousand souls to come into the kingdom on Easter Sunday. I pray for a thousand physical healings to happen in bodies on Easter Sunday. I pray that families would be reunited. Marriages would be restored. Prodigals would come back home. Doctors' diagnoses would be reversed. Infirmity would be broken. Provision would be released. Oh God, may it be so. Oh God, may it be true. And to the King, eternal, immortal, invincible, the only wise God, the all honor, glory, and praise in the church and throughout all generations. And all God's people said amen and amen.